everybody welcome to our season one enterprise wrap up we're here to talk about star trek enterprise the first season all the lessons that we learned all the intelligence comments that we had all the thoughts the thoughtful comments that we came up with uh we're going to be just kind of doing this as a season wrap up the the recap the way that we normally do we'll be going through uh general thoughts we'll be talking about our character power rankings and then we'll be talking about the best and the worst episodes so a lot of this might seem redundant because we've talked about some of this stuff before but um it'll be an interesting change of pace we're also going to try something with um clips on youtube to sort of clip up content and turn it into smaller bite-sized pieces a la the joe rogan podcast and a lot of other podcasts that do the same thing so yeah so every every section we're going to start with it's not just going to be like character power rankings it's going to be all the things wrong with captain archer from season one that's right enterprise Make it provocative, click, baby. Get those clicks. Caps, a lot, a lot of capital letters, and a lot of uh, powerful verbs like destroyed would, and things like that. I would like to just subvert that whole thing and have a video that's like the top ten things wrong with Captain Archer, and then it'd be like number five, he's too good of a friend. Number three, he's too <laughs> considerate and puts his dishes away when he's done eating in the mess hall. We have to. Uh, I guess we have to start with our general thoughts about Enterprise. So this is, uh, as we talked about before, this is the easiest one to do when it's only the first season. Star Trek's um, Enterprise's first season, it came in on our one out of one to five ranking. Uh, it get a 2.64 average for the season, which is the fifth from the bottom so far. The only seasons that are worse are TNG's first season, DS9's first season, the third season of the original series, and TNG's second season was also statistically worse than enterprise's first season Hmm. um it came in lower than i thought it was going to there are a lot of twos and threes later on in the run uh the second half of the season is like consistently just a two or three the entire way through yeah um does that not answer our question for us then which was is it better to be a season of extremes or to be consistently middle of the road because it feels like this one was more or less consistent in the middle of the road, and it ends up at the bottom rung. It could, um, it could be. I, I think. I guess. I guess the it, what it, what it felt like when it started out was that it was consistently middle of the road. It eventually turned into being slightly below the middle of the road. It was mm-hmm. a slightly below average season. Um, it had no highs whatsoever to rescue it from its low rating. So even like T- uh, the original series in the third season had some fives in it. And mm-hmm. TNG's second season had at least a, a five in it, according to my ratings. Um, this one does not have any of those things to sort of artificially knock up or to, to knock up the average, not artificially. Um, but yeah. I mean, what's your general takeaway from enterprise's first season here? The, the good, the bad, the ugly? Um, uh, I feel like it's a, it's a, it was a good, a good concept, a good new twist on Star Trek that was ultimately too gun-shy to be anything that was really memorable um, as far as execution goes because they just didn't really lean into stuff. It, it, seems, it seemed rushed, kind of. Um, in that their characters were not particularly well defined. Uh, their stories were fairly harmless. I guess is a good way to put it. Um, and they never really leaned into the full potential of the concept. And they introduced this time war thing to try and spice things up. But even there, they kind of didn't really know what the hell they were doing with it. Um. Yeah, it seems it seems like it was a good idea that came out before it was done cooking. I guess. Yeah, I, from the um, the oral history that I've been reading, what it what it sounds like to me that happened is that they had this idea where Berman and Braga came back and they had this whole idea about what they wanted to do for a first season. Who knows if it's true or not? Whether or not they wanted to stay on Earth for the entire first season and then launch the Enterprise at the end of that, which would have been interesting. The writers had talked about that's how they long. thought. That's a long. It's a long season. season. It's a long season on Earth. I feel like you could do that now, but I don't know if you could do that in 2000 era TV. Yeah, twenty seven episodes or whatever. Yeah, the 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 twenty six episodes or whatever would probably do a lot of damage to that. Maybe you'd launch Enterprise in the middle of the season or something. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, the writers on the show had talked about how they thought that they had been promised kind of like a lot of conflict between the characters, or it was going to be a more contemporary human setting, and there was going to be a lot of like. Uh, 
problems of dealing with a very real world NASA sense of what it would be like to be in space for five years or however long they're supposed to be in space. Mm -hmm. And um, that all kind of seems like it fell by the wayside when Berman and Braga pitched this idea and the studio was like, no, we'd, we'd actually just like it to be Star Trek. So keep it uh, episodic and keep Don't it sort of the same. No, take the Star Trek off the name. It's just Enterprise. <laughs> just Enterprise. So what it seems like to me is that Braga at that point almost took an approach of, well, you know when you when you have a when you have like a, what you consider to be a great idea and you tell it to someone and they say no and then you're just like well I'm not going to try on huh? whatever your idea <laughs> whatever your idea is and I think that Braga took that personality a little bit I, I don't think mm-hmm. that I think that he was like you know what you're going to pay me for 26 episodes of Star Trek a year I'll give you Star Trek you want some Star Trek here's some Star Trek <laughs> and what he put out was Star Trek but it's not particularly interesting Star Trek it's mm-hmm. just perfunctory and functional star trek and there might be like it might have even reflected in the way that we watched it where the first half of the season we were more positive and sort of like what a what a laid-back strange show that doesn't really have a tremendous amount of uh, drama or conflict within it and then mm-hmm. that kind of wore on us by the second half we were like getting kind of tired of this how about something else to pick up um that's my general takeaway is that it it felt like it does feel like a very safe show and at the at the same time, being like the fifth Star Trek show, you're surprised that it's the safe one still. Right. And that's probably like the worst combination of things that you could have is to be very safe and be very long in the tooth uh, in terms of being a franchise. And mm. they just didn't have anywhere to go. If they're not going to, if you're not going to explore the prequel idea, then you don't have anything for the show to really kick off against, yeah. at least in its first season. Yeah, it's it feels kind of like uh, <clears throat> when a band puts out a bunch of albums really close together, and then like the fourth one they put out, you can tell they were just burned out. And it's just yeah. like, yeah, we're gonna. This is a new ACDC album. It hits all the notes that you expect, but there's no back and black on it. It's just sort of like all B sides. Yeah, no, not, no singles. Yeah, <laughs> they, like the not, Tom Petty song, the A and R man said, "I don't hear a single," and you just like, oh, yeah, that's, it's that's not it. terrible. Like it gets the job done. And it's like maybe good for a car ride, but aside from that, it's it's uh, you know, blow up your video is not going to be the first on everybody's list. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And <clears throat> I think that I think that the other the other kind of weakness about Enterprise's first season is that I don't think they did a particularly good job with the characters to this point. Mm-hmm. I think that if the show had stronger characters, it could it could have been received more, uh, yeah. or we would have received it uh, better than they actually did. I think they do a, they do surprisingly few character focused episodes. There's a couple, and the ones that excel, I think, are like Dear Doctor and things like that. But in general, it's um, it's a lot of ensemble stuff, or it's just Archer deciding to do things. And to that end, I don't think that you can really describe any of these characters well outside of the one mm. trait that are kind of weird at this point, like Reed and yeah. his pineapple and Hoshi and the insecurities and Trip. Uh, is a southerner and things like that. Like you, I, I feel that the characters, and especially people like Mayweather, all he has is boomer, just space boomer. Right. That's yeah. his only thing. So at that point you have no, there have been no episodes that have really drawn out any of that information. Well, it's, it's kind of interesting to me because I, I, I tend to uh, go by, I forget where I heard it. I think it was in a video talking about the star Wars prequels, but the, the, the barometer I go by as far as characters is generally um can you describe them using uh, can you describe them other than saying uh what they look like and yeah, what their job is yep oh sorry i thought you were responding to amy <laughs> oh no 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 sorry um it, it, whether or not you can uh describe them by more than just what they look like and what their job is and if you can't, then they're not really a well-fleshed-out character. And I think that they fall into that trap here. But they also they set them up in a way where they shouldn't because they do have certain things. Uh, like you said, May- Mayweather has this boomer backstory, which is fairly interesting, but it's just sort of once they explain that, it's kind of gone. Um, there should be more stuff there given the setup uh, of where the positioning is, but the ca- the characters are just, they're so interchangeable. <clears throat> and even you know, there's a whole episode about 
Malcolm Reed knowing knowing what he's about, and then at the end of the episode, the only thing they learn is he likes pineapple, and that's yeah. that's it. Yeah, and know. that's yeah, and it's strange. I um, I guess that all just kind of like I I can see why the idea of being on Earth in that first season would help in that regard because you probably can't have you can't have the alien interactions early, which was kind of like the defining trait of early Enterprise episodes, which is that they ran into weird aliens that they had never met before, and some that we have met before but they have not run into. Uh, if they were on Earth, you wouldn't have to do that, and you'd be able to actually. The only thing you could do was deal with the characters. And so you would you'd have to expand on weird things like why Archer personally chose to visit Hoshi and not right. uh, trip, as right. we talked about, like things like why, why is that the choice that they're actually making? And they are fairly interchangeable, I think, at this point. Um, I think Archer is definitely the weakest captain that we've seen so mm-hmm. far, mostly because he's inconsistently written and doesn't really seem to have a direction for himself yeah. as to what he likes to do uh but i think that a lot of the human characters are in the same boat yeah it's um it, it's kind of like uh <clears throat> excuse me if you look at other star trek shows you cut the ones that are, are the are the best and most well-defined you can you know what your characters are going to bring to the given scene that they're in like if you think about an episode of tos you understand what point of view uh spock is going to bring to a situation or what point of view mccoy is going to bring to a situation or what point of view uh odo or kira are going to bring to a situation i don't know in this show what point of view malcolm reed is going to bring to any situation i don't know what point of view trip is going to bring to any situation other than to be i guess kind of like reticent and slightly horny i guess but it it's it's just it's a uh it's it's a lot less it that having it that way makes them that much more interchangeable and it doesn't really uh lend itself to any real drama when you put the characters together in a certain situation because you don't really know what you're going to get out of it yeah yeah they don't um and ultimately you don't really get anything unfortunately yeah no that's true i mean the 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 issue there is that if you just don't have if you don't because i'm thinking back on scenes in enterprise where they actually paired off people like trip and reed and what they disagreed with was a sort of um procedural process Mm -hmm. that they wanted to go under like it's like whether or not you repair something or you do something else or like there's something like that there's no there's no to think about um like an odo and quark pairing there's no thing about like criminality versus someone who wants order in the, in their world. There's no su- like subtext to any of the stuff that they're talking about. And enterprises we mentioned in the, um, some of the episodic reviews is a show that doesn't really have any subtext to it. There's nothing mm-hmm. beyond what you're actually seeing on the screen is the right. stuff that's going on as it's and that when there is no subtext, I think that that makes the 26 episode season seem even longer because there's really, um, cause you don't know nuance. You don't right. look forward to any any of these character interactions, except for Flocks uh, and Paul. Like Flocks and Paul, you know what they're bringing to the table, and they are consistently the generators of the best scenes in the shows. Um, but yeah, everybody else, you don't, you just don't really know what the the tension is going to be in any given scene, or or where any of that drama is going to come from. And I, I guess you could you could argue that that you that you shouldn't or something but it's like i feel like i feel like you should be at a point where if you have tucker and or trip he's got so many friggin names trip <laughs> charles trip tucker the third yeah uh if you put trip and reed together in a tense situation you should be able to kind of like get it be interested by what what that is going to produce between the two of them and all it produces is bad drunk acting yeah yeah and yeah being cold being drunk and talk about specifically shuttle pod one which was their Mm -hmm. chance to do that um yeah and i mean you'd say that shuttle pod one is an episode best served by putting your two most antagonistic characters together Mm-hmm. But I really don't know who. I guess that's to Paul and Trip at this point. But they don't choose yeah. to do that. Um, or but you I know, think- to Paul and to Paul and Reed would actually be a, uh, an interesting. Can I I keep I keep confl- uh, inflating Reed as a character in my own mind into what I want him to be. 
which is a, a bit more of a gung-ho uh, military guy, um, which I think would be an interesting contrast with T'Pol, but he's not really that. So maybe it, it wouldn't be that interesting because he would probably just keep to himself and read in the corner. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I think he would. I don't think I'd have a hard time generating what the conflict between the two of them would be. Um, Trip, Trip, and Tabal seem to have some sort of um, personality conflict that I don't sure. sense that Reed and Tabal have. But I guess it would have to be Tabal and anybody would be the most antagonistic because Tabal and Archer can kind of be antagonistic at some points. Although they seem to even have even really abandoned that by the end of the mm-hmm. season. Like it started that way, but she's not really that way with Archer anymore. I don't know how it is going forward, but I really hope that they managed to. If they did manage to do that sort of scene with with T'Pol and somebody else if they could just avoid there being any sexual tension whatsoever mm-hmm. because that'd be it's nice just, it's such a easy low bar to to for that stuff where it, i don't know it, it's, it's just because just because she's an attractive woman doesn't mean they they're whatever argument they're in has to be uh have a, a undercurrent of ross animal magnetism <laughs> <laughs> would um Ignoring the ranking that I gave us here, uh, mm. when you think about in your mind's eye as someone who's not looking at the numbers, where would you rank Enterprise's first season? Would you recommend anyone watch Enterprise's first season? You know, I don't know. I honestly don't. Because um, we kind of talked about it a little bit off off air about how I think this show is hampered by the fact that if you introduced this to someone as their first star trek it would be the most boring show anyone's ever watched in their life because so much of what is interesting to us is seeing the genesis of of what comes later um you know what what leads to starfleet and the federation what leads to the the ideal of the uh or the the main idea of the starfleet captain etc etc um and without that foreknowledge, I don't really think there's a lot here. Like this, it's not like they're telling amazing sci-fi stories that just also have a uh, this um, extra bit of Star Trek stuff going on. So, like, would I recommend? I guess if you ran out of other Star Trek shows and you want to keep watching new stuff, sure, I guess. But, <laughs> <laughs> like, honestly, honestly, I would probably recommend Discovery over this because mm-hmm. Discovery at least is like it's saved by its modernness um and is is more exciting to watch and probably is going to give you a better time yeah than this because this is ultimately it's just kind of boring yeah 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 this is um i would i'm just i'm looking at the numbers i would say enterprise's first season is like numerically the best first season of all those Star Trek shows, except for TOS season one, which is kind of a strange case that doesn't really fit the mold of everything else. Um, mostly, I mean, it's just, that's more of a statement on the bad quality of some of the other shows. First season episodes, like there's no really tremendously awful enterprise episode. When we we're going to be talking about the worst episodes and the best episodes, the best one list is much easier to make than the worst list here because the worst list is about 15 episodes that are all like, you're like, these are all the same. (laughs) These are, these are all just kind of the same episode. Um, So picking between them is tough. I, I probably wouldn't recommend this season to anybody, which is, um, and I guess you, you, it's possible to have hindsight on the other series and know what you kind of get out of looking back on something. But I, I'd be, I'd wonder if Enterprise's first season, after we're done watching all four seasons, would have the same appeal that some of the. Well, I don't know if it would have the same appeal as some of the TNG season one episodes, which are mm-hmm. kind of like a monument to tell like bad television production. Right. So they, they yeah. have kind of like a like a wow factor. So like I can't yeah. believe this is so bad. Enterprise is not that way, so it doesn't even have the uh, like the room effect where it's like this is so bad it's good yeah it doesn't have there's no element of the first season of enterprise where i would say you have to see this whether that's a good thing or a bad thing like the first season of uh deep space nine i don't remember how bad the episodes get but it also features duet which is something where i'd be like you have to see like this is a great star trek episode um had move along home for to refresh you about bad, which is where Quark is playing the game and they're playing charades in the uh, the dream oh, world, like the game, the, the the hopscotch. Yes, one? the hopscotch one. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay, that's pretty bad. 
Um, <laughs> but you know, like there's something interesting there, even at this point, if it's just like academic, yeah. uh, this one is like, it's like even more academic where it's like, literally you're reading the appendix of a, of a textbook. Well, I, I wouldn't say, I wouldn't say the best episode of this season is one that I'd even recommend someone watch really. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, like- it's, pretty good but it's yeah. like uh, i and i i think that's unfortunately the the killer of the season is just that it's fine yeah yeah there's Let's, nothing it's like it's it's really fascinating how it is hampered by its uh average to above average consistency mm-hmm. in, in production <laughs> i mean you know what i mean right. like it doesn't it looks good everybody in it's pretty good actor the stories are fine it's not it's 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 a well made it's a workmanlike show top to bottom and it's that's about the that's about it yeah it's the opposite of um sports in some way where you're like sports are like consistency is key like you mm-hmm. even like uh, you're the worst player on the team if your worst player is like exceptionally consistent you're mm-hmm. like that's a that's a good player to have as my worst player here but this is um it's not the way with uh television production or if you want to get art or if you want to call it highfalutin art or whatever or some mm-hmm. kind of like creative endeavor um which is too bad. I'm su- I am surprised it came in so low at ours because it was mostly going to come in. It felt like it was coming in a little bit higher, but I think it's appropriate where it ended up. Let's um let's move to character power rankings here. I think do we have do be- we get like a awesome, like a cool like Fox Sports graphic? <laughs> <laughs> I want the uh, the Fox football robots just sort oh, of dancing yeah. across colored the screen. in like Star Trek colors. It transforms right. into the NX01. That'd be cool. <laughs> let's do um character rankings for that, right? character rankings for the first season do you want to start from the top or do you want to start from the bottom which one do you think is easier Mm. the worst character or the best character i think it's probably easier to start from the bottom all right so we'll start crossing them out yeah because it's like unfortunately i think like there's a clear best but then everybody else is fighting the top two are (laughs) gold and silver are pretty clear but everybody else is fighting for bronze Let's start with the worst then. Mm-hmm. Um, do you want to go first? We can kind of alternate so we can just hash this out as we go. Um, my, it, for me, it's a it's between Mayweather and Reed. Those are the two contenders yeah. for the worst spots. And yeah. I don't know if you have a feeling one way or the other. I would agree. I think this may sound strange. I think I'm going to go with Reed because they haven't given enough play to Mayweather he's it's he's almost a recurring guest star at this yeah point. he's almost you know? a very effective uh background character yeah like yeah. uh in tng what was it? i guess it would be like uh was it like o'brien who just yeah, like O'Brien. popped up in a couple episodes and you didn't really learn anything about it. i mean you'd learn I, more I'd about say, O'Brien eventually but like i'd say more like um ro laren would be a good yeah, example yeah. yeah well yeah he's kind of he's there um they dropped the ball with not making him the time cop guy, which would have made him instantly more interesting. <laughs> but yeah, like, you know, even I think the the best depiction or the uh, the most illustrative depiction of, of what they think about Mayweather is uh, the Riza episode where he just he disappears for half the episode. Then he breaks his leg and spends the rest of the time in sickbay worrying about getting a uh, 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 was it the. Uh, going into anaphylactic shock yeah, right. that's, that's like the high point of his season <laughs> yeah and it's, yeah and, and it's not and, and that doesn't mean the rest of it's bad he's just not really around he doesn't really do much but reed on the other hand is is around a lot yes and doesn't really have much interesting about him that would be my argument i'd also put reed below even though i think mayweather if we were to argue this at the end of the series and say, like, which character was the least utilized, it would probably be Mayweather because Reed does yeah. feel like he has things to do. I think that Mayweather's personality and appearances have all been very consistent where I don't mm-hmm. think that they know what Reed is. I think Reed is different depending on who writes him. Sometimes he comes across as very like a um, security officer. Some of the people write him as kind of like an engineer almost yeah. like he 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 doesn't. And his his like posh aristocratic British background doesn't seem like it's befitting what the character is supposed to be, which mm-hmm. is like I I picture him as kind of like a um a hawkish like you were saying like a hawkish yeah. um military man who's I actually would I'd cast him older than he is here yeah. I'd cast him as like a fifty or sixty year old man yeah I would make him older than Archer 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Someone who I've I've mentioned this as a reference point before, but someone like uh, Idris Elba's character in Star Trek Beyond, yeah. who is old enough to remember what things were before the Federation. Mm-hmm. Um, so you you have that contrast of guy who wants to do things the old way versus the captain who's about pushing everything forward. So we'll go from the bottom. Reed, then Mayweather. Our yeah. next next up, uh, I think it's between Hoshi and. Trip, maybe yeah. you, you might disagree. I think Hoshi is clearly the person who sits there. Um, I think so too. Yeah, yeah. I think that one's easy enough. There's not much to say about Hoshi. I felt like Hoshi was going to be a character, but she's repeated her nervousness tick for right. the entire season, and that's really all that you had. Uh, so I would argue she's a improved version of Mayweather, where she has something mm-hmm. going for her, but mm-hmm. it's only slightly more developed than what Mayweather ends up doing. Yeah, she at least can. She at least can be defined by her job if you need to. Whereas yeah. Mayweather, you can't really even define him by his job. Yeah, he, he's yeah. just sort of defined by his what generation he was born into. I guess. Yeah, yeah. Um, the boomer, trip, the boomer thing. Yeah. So this is interesting. Because, well, do you even do you even? It might not be Trip. So who we've got left are Archer, T'Pol, Trip, and Flox. I think it's got to be Trip because. Okay. He's, I think, the only thing really elevating Trip at this point is the performance. Because mm-hmm. the guy who plays him is pretty good and is and is pretty charismatic. But if you take that away, I feel like Trip is a fairly forgettable character. Yeah, he's he's a, a better cast version of Reed, I think. Really, yeah. Um, yeah. Like he's a the performance is carrying the character, even though as we've complained about, like the fact that he's best friends with Archer never really comes across in any effective right. way. The fact that like his sort of Southern charm occasionally comes across and things like unexpected. I think that he kind of plays that well, mm-hmm. um, but he is just a, he's another one who's the engineer, but you don't really think of him as the engineer. He touches yeah. the engines a lot, but he, it doesn't seem that way. I, w- I would put him there as well. So it would be uh, Reed, Mayweather, Hoshi, and then Trip in that mm-hmm. spot after that. So the remaining people are Phlox, T'Pol, and Archer. I think uh, I'm going to go in that order reversed. So I think I would go Archer, T'Pol, and Phlox are my three, two, and one. Archer, T'Pol, and then Phlox. Yeah. Would I disagree with that? No, I don't think I'd disagree with that. Um T'Pol's funny because T'Pol is, I, I would argue T'Pol is actually poorly written for a lot of the mm. season. Um, she's high up there because I think they eventually settle on. And just in terms of her character, if she didn't exist in this show, I don't know what you have for a cast. Yeah. Like if there was no yeah. Vulcan character, I don't really know. Because even Flox is, Flox is basically a happy-go-lucky human. You know, right. like he, right. he could be a human who just has that kind of attitude. There's nothing like cultural about him that keeps him separate. But he's mm-hmm. he's unique because he's very happy compared to everyone else, which they're playing as kind of a Denobulan trait or whatever. Yeah. Um, I would agree with you that it's, it's Archer. Archer's the weakest captain, so he's the third in that trifecta. Um, Bacula's fine. I still think Bacula's miscast or they miswrote this character mm-hmm. as to what he is. Um and then Flox is the best character because he is he has the best episode in the season mm-hmm. dedicated to himself. He is an interesting character. He's well performed. He's funny in the things that he needs to be funny in, and he can also be serious in things. And um he's I feel like he's the most consistent. There's never been a yeah. time where I'm like, I don't know what Flox is doing here. This doesn't make any sense for him. Where I think I could say that for all the other characters on the show at this point. I do wonder if it's a little unfair to put him in the top just because he's sort of uh, he's sort of got the um, best supporting actor kind of role where he's doing a lot with the the little amount that he's given like that he's he's not he's not present as often as Archer and T'Pol are um, so I don't know if maybe like I mean I, you, you, he's either well written and performed or he's not I guess and he he is both of those things. Mm-hmm. But I, I wonder if it's unfair because he's his screen time is a lot less than Archer and T'Pol, so maybe it just seems like he's better than he is. But I would I would say that he's he's clearly a more uh, um, he's clearly a more thought out character. And whether or not that's from the page or in, informed by the performance, I'm not sure. But he's I think it's scripts because yeah. he's the he's the one that fits your thing about 
he's the only one I feel that you can really describe outside of the job in a lot yeah. of ways as to what yeah. the personality is because his his outlook on life is totally divorced from him being a doctor. You could have he's the opposite of Bones, right? He's not the cynic that mm-hmm. McCoy is. So that trait is not related to him being a doctor really mm-hmm. like his his traits of being like oh i'm just kind of happy go lucky and i like to like observe other cultures and see what's going on he's the um the most optimistic of the explorers that are going out there and i think that works for him i, I can't say that about anyone else like even archer i feel suffers the most if if you can't define what archer's outlook on this mission is then i think that the show is in real trouble because yeah. everything is seen through the captain's eyes and i don't know if you can say that about archer do they um do they explain why they know they are are cool with the denobulans to the point where they have one on the ship because it seems it seems at the beginning of this show like it's the vulcans and then they just meet the klingons mm-hmm. and they don't really have a lot of uh inter interplanetary friends at this point he was in some kind of medical exchange i think Let's right see. so they have some kind of limited uh alien interaction yeah i guess they have been in contact with other alien races for about a hundred years at this point so yeah it makes sense okay yeah if they're they're talking to the vulcans i guess something would be there but it's it's still rare because they're the only two on the the only two aliens are two of the main cast members on the entire ship Mm -hmm. so it's still very limited and who's out there like and um to paul was forced on them and Archer chose Flux just because Flux showed up in the first episode. He was, that's the only reason he took him as a doctor is because he was the one that actually came when he was summoned. Nice. Um, so that's it. Yeah, it would be from the bottom. Character power rankings are Reed, Mayweather, Hoshi, Trip, Archer, T'Pol, Flux. I'd agree with that. Yeah, I, that, that's my consensus uh, as well. So let's move into what do you want to do first? Best episodes or worst episodes? Uh, I don't know. I think the um, <clears throat> listeners are going to need refreshers on these episodes. I'll flip a coin and it came up tail. So we'll do uh, the worst episodes first, mm-hmm. which is the harder list, I think. Um, what I did here was I combined our ratings for the thing uh, mm-hmm. and that gave me an average score. It, came, it For the best episodes, it was clearly identifiable which ones the best are because the numbers worked out. The worst episodes are, I've whittled this down from about 15 episodes that I asked for help from some of the listeners mm-hmm. to talk about and you see know, what goes on. I, I feel like I could be personally helped quite a bit if the Star Trek episodes were um, named less pretentiously and followed like the Friends naming model. Yeah, so it's the like, one where. Yeah, the one where they're on the asteroid the ice asteroid and it's like oh okay i know that one. Oh, the one the one where they're where they're uh they're on the sex planet like, oh yeah okay i know that one i'll try to help you out so worst we'll do the worst ones first we'll start with number five mm-hmm. which is acquisition the one where they meet the ferengi for the first uh, time yes yes that one uh would you agree with any of these being on the worst list for you uh that one i would yeah i would say that's that was a that was a deserves to be on this list that was a a a pretty big wasted opportunity i think my um the rationale i had to sort of go with to make the worst of list was i had to sort of settle on episodes where i could remember an identifiable trait and go i don't know why they did that so Mm -hmm. for for this one for me i said why did they do that in terms of introducing the ferengi here was a very difficult retcon to do and we talked about it, I think, about most in the way that the Frankie get away at the end of that episode. And Archer's just like, don't you ever come back and get out of here and we won't interact with you for another 150 years or whatever. Yeah. It's, um, it's so clumsy that they have to do that, that you wonder what the point of doing it in the first place was. And outside of that, it's just, you know, the Frankie walking around on the Enterprise. And we talked about in the specific episode that people can find about how a better way to do that would have been, like to tell mm-hmm. the episode through the eyes of the Frankie the entire time. Um. But here it's just the crew is knocked out and Archer and Trip are running around trying to save the ship from the Ferengi. And Ferengi episodes never work for me in the first place. So this one yeah, definitely didn't have a chance. It's such a weird callback to choose for for Enterprise. Um, Enterprise is much more interested in TNG era stuff, which is a Berman and Braga hangover, I think. They hired, they hired some writers who like TOS, but they themselves, I don't think, are very interested in the TOS mm-hmm. era. So they skip TOS and they move directly into what can we connect to TNG at this point. Yeah, it's just such a strange... Of all the things to choose, why the Ferengi? Yeah, I know. Just the- <laughs> like the, 
I, I get the Andorians that at least has like a story uh, context that makes sense. The Klingons, sure, even though they've only done like one or the, those one or two, three Klingon episodes, if you count Broken Broken Bow. Broken Bow is two. Uh, what was the other one? Well, they do Unexpected. The where, They're at the end of Tripping Pregnant, and then there's the one where the ship is caught in the planet yeah, that they go yeah. down to. Okay, so I guess technically four, but uh, but the pregnant one doesn't, that's not really a Klingon episode. No, really. they just run into them at the end. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I, I'm actually a little surprised that they managed to to hold off on adding the Klingons for an entire season, pretty much. But yeah, the Ferengi are just such a weird choice. I like if you're gonna go, I get if if the if the impetus for that episode was like, let's do let's do an episode where we meet a familiar race for the first time. Like I don't know, I can't even think of an imp- other than like well, let's use a familiar familiar race and figure out how to do it. Like yeah. I can't think I can't think of a reason why you would choose the Ferengi as like a natural story. I think choice. I think it's the um, Dave Chappelle has that famous bit about remember when Michael Richards did this comedy stand up in the comedy store and he mm-hmm. used the N word on the audience and it like backfired obviously on his career. Sure did. But um, Dave Chappelle has the bit about you know he he realized that he was. Uh, when watching that clip, he realized that he was more comedian than he is black, and it's because when when he when he mm-hmm. when uh, Michael Richard finished his set, Chappelle's only thought was, "You'll get him next time, Mike." <laughs> like just <laughs> just knowing that what it's like to be up there as a comedian bombing and being like, "I yeah. know that feeling to be up there and like nothing's going well for you," and so I understand what he was doing. Um, I feel like that's the I feel like that's the writer's approach to the Ferengi in Star Trek at this point. They're like. I'll get him next time. Like I can write, I can yeah. write a good Ferengi episode. Yeah, and it just never gets there. Um, yeah, yeah. No, it's it's a it's a weird choice. Uh, it's it's very clumsily retconned out at the end. Um, it's a very comic booky choice, honestly. Like it feels like something that would happen on a comic book, where you, you know, you you have your uh, out of continuity, well, in continuity, but nobody knows it's happening. Thing that gets retconned by the end of the story, and it's yeah, it's so it's, it's a weird choice. Number four on our worst of from the first season of Enterprise is Desert Crossing, which is the one where Archer and Trip play naked lacrosse and then walk mm. across the desert. That's the second worst of the season. No, it's the fourth worst. Oh, we're going, okay. we're going towards the worst. Yeah, gotcha. so number five was acquisition, and number four is Desert Crossing. Yeah, that was uh, that was just a, a half and half for me. It was the first half I thought was pretty good, but then the second half it was just it had no. It was just wandering through the desert for the sake of wandering through the desert, and it was kind of it was kind of emblematic of the entire season for me. Of yeah, just like. Yeah, we had a good idea when we started, but we're literally just wandering through the desert now trying to figure out how to finish it off. <laughs> no, that's the reason it's on the list is because they wasted half the episode doing nothing, essentially, yeah. which I think is um, a problem in your mm. television script. So that's the reason that it's up there. I, I also like the beginning. I even kind of like the there's a campiness to the uh, the sports game section that I kind of enjoy. Like that kind of feels I could see Kirk and Spock doing something ridiculous like that. You know, mm-hmm. that kind of works for me. But the um Clancy Brown's performance is good, but after that, it's just desert sand stuff. Um, so very coarse. The next one going down to three is Rogue Planet, which is the one where they meet a bunch of hunters. Right. Um, why don't you start this one? <laughs> Rogue Planet was um, a That's very the, early the slug one, right? Yeah, it's the slug yeah, one. Okay. It's it's a really early example of um. The show, it's when we started to realize while watching this that the show doesn't really have a, a an idea about what its episodes are. Like that one's the one where it's like, you think that it's about hunting and you're like, oh, this is going to be some sort of morality play about hunting and they're going to talk about hunting species. And then it's just like the aliens are just like, yeah, we're out here hunting people. And Arch is like, well, that's a shame. And that's kind of it. It's a it, it's another one of the episodes, the Enterprise episodes that feels like it's all um, it's all potential is there you know they're going to this rogue planet it doesn't have any daylights there's hunters down there that they're meeting and when you get out of it you're just like archer was thinking about some woman he used to fantasize when he was a six-year-old and that's how the slug talked to him and the hunters stopped hunting it it just doesn't feel like it it amounts to anything and then they essentially give the slug guns and then leave (laughs) 
Yeah, right. And even their solution is not yeah. particularly a very good solution. Yeah, I feel like that's one that's it's just like it's dancing around a good concept. It, it that one feels like almost like a uh, spec script or something where it's mm-hmm. someone's trying to write a Star Trek episode and it's their first swing and it's like, meh, they got a couple of the, they're on the right track, but they didn't quite get there. Yeah, they were hired on potential. They're like, we'd have to rewrite this, but this guy actually seems to know what the characters are doing and things like that. That I have it lower than Desert Crossing just because, and um, Acquisition, just because I think the Rogue Planet's an example of an episode that doesn't really do anything with its setup. Like desert crossing has half of an episode yeah, where it tries sure. to get us something and rogue planet is just not that at all. Yeah. I would so, agree with that. So the second one or the, the second worst episode is Terra Nova, which is one where Archer meets the colonists from 80 years ago who have devolved into mole people on the yeah. planet. This one's that, low for me because it makes objectively no sense about yeah. what this, how this episode works. And the entire setup is just kind of like, why, why can't they speak English anymore? Right. What's what's yeah. wrong with them? Yeah, it's uh, it's that one is it's it's a I think the the killer for that one is it's a Star Trek plot we've seen a million times at this point and it's not done well. Right at this point, I feel like may I don't know if that's a a a, a problem with having done it for the millionth time. It's difficult to find a new way into it, but uh, it's just not it's just not there. Like yes, yeah. mud mud people who can't remember how to speak english after the equivalent of, of a misunderstanding years. yeah a, a over, slight misunderstanding of what their parents were talking about yeah over over their their dad getting fired or whatever it's yep. just uh i i don't know it's just it's really tough to to sympathize or empathize with that with that story it's another one that ends in a uh, the typical enterprise ending now which is maybe a tos homage but i just don't like it in terms of modern storytelling where it's like archer does a unrelated action sequence to save the day it's another yeah. episode where they fall down a hole in the right, shuttlecraft yeah. and then he has to sort of swing around it he lifts a um a tree off of one of the aliens who's like in a uh, mud pit that's being filled right. with water and that saves them and that convinces them that he's okay yeah, that uh, saving them from falling into a sinkhole convinces them they should learn English and maybe yeah. read a book. <laughs> so the very worst episode, number one on our list here. This is probably going to be um, controversial, uh, but it's Sleeping Dogs, which is the one where they meet the Klingons who are stuck in the gas giant's atmosphere, and they go down to the ship, and they meet right. the Klingons. Right. I, I put it here because it feels like it's a lot of bad things that Enterprise is doing. It's Enterprise reaching for continuity that they can mm-hmm. attach to, which is the Klingons. It's a plot that is fairly boring and doesn't really do any character work. It's just the characters down on the Klingon ship and uh, sort of running around and trying to avoid things and then remarking, like, I can't believe the Klingon eat worms. This is right. such a strange place to be. Yeah. Um, they, temp- they tempt you with something like the Hoshi and T'Pol story, which you're like, oh, maybe they'll get into those two being antagonistic towards each other. And T'Pol just teaches her to meditate over the course of 30 right. seconds. And that's the end of it. And bringing the Klingon alien to the ship feels like yet another bad archer plan where he does not really understand fully what's going on in his decision making. And uh, it works out for him here, but everything always works out for Archer. I'm going to agree with you that this is probably the worst based on the fact that You've been talking about it for two minutes, and I still can't remember <laughs> about it. That's like, the other reason why I lifted it. Is like it's the most forgettable episode. I think all of those of all things, of all of those things you just said, I remember happening, but I do not know the content. Like when you said the Hoshi and Paul thing, I'm like, yeah, that thing. <laughs> I remember it happening. I don't remember the context of it, what the issue was. I just, it, I've got like flashes of that episode, but I can't remember anything about it. Yep, it's. Uh, const- contextless, I guess. It yeah. Just uh, Hoshi is nervous about being down there, and Tapal says you gotta just breathe deep and think. Go to your happy place, and right. Hoshi says, "Okay." I do remember it being. Um, we didn't even do it that long ago, but I do. I do remember it being kind of like a point and click video game where mm-hmm. you're just going around the cabin. It's like a side mission <laughs> in a video game where it's like you got to move the the files to find the key underneath yeah, the paper. You're, yeah, you're inside the Klingon the, the Klingon uh, a bridge, and it's like you can go over here and click this button to bring up this file. You get to read. Yeah, until it teaches you about the backstory of the Klingons and stuff. Or you go, oh, look, you can you can take the lid off this pot to see what they eat. Uh, it, it, I remember it feeling kind of like that, where it's just it, it's a weird episode to do. 
I, you know, you get into these things with shows like this where it's like you're you're doing a prequel show, but you're also doing a, the fifth Star Trek show. So the people who are watching this are people, I assume, who are familiar with the Klingons, who are familiar with Star Trek and somewhat familiar with the history, at least if not the entire history, probably going back to TNG. Yep. Um, Even on a cultural level, can you be sure? Yeah. If you've never seen Star Trek, you understand the Klingons are the bad guys. That's right. like the, that's part right. of the ether of life at this yeah. point. So to spend an episode in this show going through that stuff only for the sake of the characters in the show versus any other narrative or audience based um, education or, or narrative uh, uh, movement seems like such a waste of time. Yep. You know, what are you, what are you really getting? Uh, uh, other than they come away going like, wow, those Klingons, we thought they were weird. Turns out they're weirder. They're weirder. Much weirder. Yeah, no, that's it. So the five worst episodes of Enterprise's first season are number five, Acquisition. Number four, Desert Crossing. Number three, Rogue Planet. Number two, Terra Nova. And then finally, number one, Sleeping Dogs, which is too bad. All right, so let's um, let's get into our best episodes. We'll start. I will say, before we start. Sure. Looking at the list of best ofs. I do know just by name what happened in most of these. So that's the first instance that they are better than the other. <laughs> the only one, um, the one I was most concerned with is actually our first one up here, which is number five. I was wondering you, if you would remember this one. You would have been correct. Okay. <laughs> do <I> you re- <laughs> <laughs> Fight or flight is the second episode of the show where they mm-hmm. run into the aliens that are being drained of their blood on that ship. And they have to sure. figure out whether or not they want to run away or if they want to help those aliens on that ship. You were yeah. actually very high on this. You gave it a four. Yeah. Um, like initially. That yeah, yeah. That was a good one. That was uh, the first, the first inst- instance of them doing um, sort of horror stuff and, and darker, more mysterious stuff really well. And, and a, ver- a very alien, a very alien encounter for right. humans yeah. going out. Yeah. Yeah. And the, do they, they, they never, do they never really figure out why the blood is being? They meet a, the al- they meet the aliens, but they never see who it is. They just see yeah, the ship that fires on them, which yeah. is great. That's that's really. I think that's. I wish they had done more of that stuff. Like that's coming out of the gate pretty hot for a Star Trek pre- prequel to do something like that and uh, do it so successfully. Um, it was also an early. Um, Related to that ship, it was an early example of the ship being underpowered out there because they tried to fire yes. a torpedo at it and it just shot the torpedo away. So mm-hmm. it, it was a good example of like the humans are not really prepared to go out there, which is a runner they kind of gave up on throughout the season. Like you yeah. feel like that's supposed to be a season long arc and it never was. As soon as they equipped the phase cannons, the phasers, yeah. Like ugh, everything's on the same level now. We're just a little bit, we're a little less powered uh, than just being out there, you know in like uh, the space equivalent of like a VW bug yeah. during the Indy 500. And as you mentioned, uh, fight or flight does another thing that enterprise I think is hardly ever mentioned for doing well, which is it does creepy mm. pretty well for star Trek consistently. It it's good at being creepy. I think they go back to that. Well, a little bit too much this mm-hmm. season because the, uh, that they are consistently pretty good at that. Um, but it, it, I think after this one anyway, a lot of times that stuff ends up being a, a smokescreen for an episode that's not particularly very good. Yes. They did well in um, Silent Enemy, which is the one where the aliens board the ship uh, yes. and they're kind of walking. They're like the CGI aliens that are walking mm-hmm. around. I thought that was effective, too, because they played that like a little mini horror sequence. Um, yeah, but I think Fighter Fighter Flight is definitely a better example of the story was better than Silent Enemy eventually ended up being which is why it's not on the list so number four is breaking the ice which we always harken back to as the episode where nothing really happens and we kind of liked it at the time Mm -hmm. Um, until something happens and then we just hated it right (laughs) until until, uh um something happened. the com the comet starts to fall apart is what we didn't like so this is the one where the um they find the biggest comet that they've ever seen and then Mm -hmm. to paul uh and trip have a sequence where uh, to Paul's relationship is in trouble and Trip reads her letter accidentally because he thinks that it's some sort of like um, right. secret communication between Tapal and the Vulcans and then he feels bad that he read her personal um, <laughs> her personal letter too that she's writing between her and her fiance. We liked it just because we were 
we were so enamored with the fact that it was such a low stakes episode of Enterprise down to like the comet being a big comet is a very early sci or very early Star Trek idea. Like they're not meeting an impressive alien race. It's just like, this is a big comet. Let's go check out what it is. And then it gave nice uh, characterization to T'Pol and Trip, I think. Mm-hmm. And it, it, it was like a, a neat little um, example of a, a misunderstanding between humans like Archer and Trip and T'Pol at that point. And it was just kind of a nice, a nice gentle plot to sort of, get uh, 10 episodes into the season yeah i do think the failing of this episode though is the same failing that um shockwave has which is they are generating their story based on information that people are that is just being willfully withheld mm-hmm. the uh from the audience i mean because if i remember correctly in in breaking the ice trip reads the letter right Yep. And Archer tells him to read the letter. Yeah. Trip reads the letter. So Trip knows what's going on, but they don't talk about it till like the end of the episode. So you've got like 15 minutes where the, uh, they're sort of dancing around, not telling anybody what's in this letter, which is sort of, I, I feel like kind of manufacturing mystery. Um, I like that sequence just cause it's, um, trip goes back to archer and is like don't make me tell you what's in this letter like it's like this was not worth what we did here um it's just a it's another you could maybe say the negative of that it's a it's another example of archer doing the wrong thing but he he doesn't really learn a lesson like he feels bad he's genuinely feels bad but it's not a larger thematic point about like archer needs to learn to trust his crew that is what it's about, but it doesn't feel like it's like, and it's not really even, in my opinion, to the detriment of the episode that it doesn't strongly push that on you. Mm. It's just like, yeah, Archer shouldn't have done that. Trip feels bad about it. They'll talk to T'Pol, and then T'Pol tells them what the real story is. Yeah, no, I actually think it's 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 not as egregious as the way that they do it in Shockwave, uh, from yeah. my, my own standpoint. Yeah, but uh, uh, yeah, I think that the, uh, Breaking the Ice overall is 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 pretty solid. That was that was a good one, which I think. I think we were higher on that one than a lot of the listeners were. We were. Yes, the listeners hate breaking the ice. Um, Number three is Unexpected, which is another controversial pick, although we both liked it. I gave it a four. I think you gave it a three. It's the one where Trip gets pregnant. Sure. Um, My defense of it is just that I don't think it's I don't think it's offensively stereotypical or anything. my wife has been pregnant it's like there's not there's no like there's no like unfortunate cheap shots that they're taking on pregnant people at this point Uh and i think that um star trek never does comedy well and this episode actually made me laugh a couple times when he's i still think of the scene where he wants he wants to install child safety gates on the turbo lift thing in the engineering section i'm like that's that's a funny it's a funny beat to have happen there and uh, it also introduces the holodeck for canon nerds who are interested in that kind of a thing yeah, no, I, I remember liking that one. Yeah, the the uh, uh, I don't I don't think that the, any of the pregnancy humor is meant in uh, in uh, bad taste, I guess, or it's not malicious. Yeah, it's um, not it's not angry about it or anything. It's no. just kind of yeah. I mean, I, I think the 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 trope of of the male getting pregnant is is pretty worn out at this point, mm-hmm. um, but. Yeah, I uh, I think the the other stuff they do in there, as far as the contact with uh, with the the alien species and the accidental mating, yeah, uh, if you want to put it that way, um, is interesting. And uh, yeah, to Paul's it, response, like that felt like a it felt like an early example of good character interaction where Trip comes back and to Paul's response is, "You were there for three days, <laughs> right?" And this, and this is what happened yeah. to you. It's a it's a funny. Um, I was hoping there would be more of that relationship between Trip and or to Paul and Archer. I felt like that the series is kind of like crying out for them to have a um who would be the nearest analog to those two in that case. It would be like a uh it would be like Kira and Quark almost have that kind of interaction. Sure. Sure. Um, yes. Yes. And or even Odo and Quark. Odo and Quark, yeah. I'm, I I guess I'm putting more of a um like sexual tension okay. on it there so i think it would be kira and quark at that point um yeah and I, just, I just thought it was it's kind of funny it's goofy as hell it's a very alien episode again early enterprise episode season one did we're very good at doing the aliens um you know, and the klingon has a great closing line of i can see my house from here <laughs> he's looking at the holodeck recreation uh you know i think what's kind of funny about about this one and it's uh 
you know, the what happens to Trip is um, debatably he he gets raped. Yep. Um, however, if if you want to look at it from a a less than intensely dark angle like that i do think it's kind of interesting that it shows that not it's not just the humans who are fumbling around in interspecies contact it's mm-hmm. this other group as well because i remember the, the the alien was like i didn't know that was going to happen you right know? yeah but she's still she's still uh actively mating with him without his consent mm-hmm. but it's 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 very much like a uh, we don't we're all kind of new at this. We don't really know what's going to happen. Right. Uh, whether or not that excuses it, I don't, I don't know, but probably. Yeah. No, I, I guess that's probably the most tr- like not troubling, but it's the most, um, it's the line that I think is going to get the most attention from that sequence where she's, where she says, I didn't know that was going to happen. I think, I don't know if, I don't know if people would not complain about the episode being sexist or whatever anymore. If you eliminated that and just had it be like a, it was, so part the I think the problem there is that the aliens also play it as if they know that it is sex, right? right. So if the aliens were just kind of like if, if it was like breathing to them, it's just something that happens all the time. They don't think that there's anything special. I think that it would it would have um, soothed that audience reaction a little bit. If it's just kind of like a uh, I think we talked about it in the podcast, if it was just kind of an infection that happens, like it's just mm-hmm. like you know the, the aliens are more uh, they aren't treating it like it's some kind of sexual thing i think it would have gone down easier yeah yeah i mean i'm 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 just relieved they didn't have trip do that to the alien <laughs> right <laughs> that's, you know, like that's the more trip, disturbing if trip did it to the alien and ended up pregnant and they were playing it for laughs i think that's a lot more troubling and problematic and and yeah and not great uh but there's something i don't know there's just something kind of innately humorous about the alien doing it to him i don't yeah. know that's <laughs> That's probably bad for me to say, but uh, number two is Shockwave, which is the season finale, which we just covered uh, a little bit ago here. Um, I like Shockwave. It bookends Broken Bow, which is the pilot of this one, and I do agree with the comments that are just saying uh, the the theme of the season should have been Enterprise consistently failing to meet their expectations of what they're doing out there. And Mm -hmm. so the entire season is running along to this idea that maybe we don't actually deserve to be out here culminating in, they intentionally caused this planet to explode. Like it's, it does, it doesn't, it doesn't escape the, the Suleban put this bomb on our shuttle thing. Like there's actually, we made a mistake and we caused this. Do we have to go back home now? Um, That would have improved shockwave. I still think shockwave is really effective for being at least the first 30 minutes or so an effective culmination of Archer realizing that what they're doing out there is not working out for the best and maybe they should just go home. And I think that's an effective way to end the first season. Yeah, I agree. I think it's, uh, uh, yeah, they, they, they get so close to really, uh, nailing the dismount, I think on, on this first season by getting into that stuff a little bit, but yeah, then they undercut it with the time war crap and the, um, Invisible Suleban did this. Yeah, the Invisible Suleban and the lighter they attached to the bottom of the ship or whatever. Um, it's funny because it feels like a, it feels like a good. I, I was thinking about this uh, earlier, and I was thinking about it uh, in reference to the X Files, because the thing that I always forget about the X Files is the first season of the X Files ends with them shutting down the X Files. Mm-hmm. And you're kind of the whole season is sort of bits and pieces of Mulder and Scully uh, sticking their nose too deep into um, the the governmental stuff that is uh, is is the stuff that they should be uh, off limits. The the confidential stuff, the confidential stuff, which ultimately gets them shut down. And I feel I was thinking about this season in that way where it's like, yeah, that almost feels like the natural endpoint if you're committing to the the uh the concept that they're setting up which is the stuff that they're doing has consequences and ultimately it ends with a consequence that's so big that their their mission gets shut down or at least that's what it seems like is going to happen yeah um 
which is so it's it's a good setup and it's a good idea but they they ultimately kind of hamstring themselves by this temporal cold war stuff and also like i was saying it has a lot of that uh everybody knows or archer knows what's going on we're not going to show you what's happening the uh, and as sort of a a manufactured mystery as to what's going on i just don't like that stuff yeah we um we both agreed that it's a fairly effective cliffhanger for a season ender Mm -hmm. uh, with archer being stuck in the future um, but yeah, I think it's just it. It worked well in every level except for once they had to tie in the time travel and removing responsibility for the attack from Archer. Mm-hmm. Uh, the concept is really good, and it just it does pair well uh, with Broken Bow, which is not on this list of our five best, but I think would be like right after that. I think at least it's yeah, knocking on I'm the actually, door of like six or seven. I'm actually kind of surprised that didn't make the list because I remember I, I remember you were very high on it and I, I was decently high on it as well. We both we both gave it a three. Uh, we probably said it was a high three or something at that point, but it was um, Broken Bow obviously is, I think it's uh, two episodes and one of them is very good and the other one is not very good. Right, it's right, it's right. the second half is the action stuff that I don't care about, but I do think that Broken Bow what Broken Bow does is really well is like if we're considering an honorable mention here is that it does. Uh, I was having a discussion with uh, listener Kyle on Twitter about it. Broken Bow sets up its premise pretty well. The show doesn't really take advantage of it, but it's a very good setup where it's like you know the the Vulcans are on Earth in that hospital. They shot the Klingon. Archer's yelling at them. Archer's like, "Get the fuck out of my way!" Like, "I'm going to go on this ship. We're going to go." They go without the ship being ready, and um. It feels like it it had the legs to set something up really well, and I think that it it's, it's a fairly effective pilot for what Enterprise eventually is, even if it didn't grab it with both hands. Yeah, I would say so. I I do think it is also it's emblematic of the problem that I think we've had throughout the whole season, which is conceptually good idea, but they can't they don't know they haven't figured out how to pet how to fill out an episode full of the idea, so they generate this. Uh, TV stuff, I guess yep. is a good way to put it, in order to, uh, whether that's an action sequence or this manufactured mystery or b- building a, uh, the mystery being the uh, the core of the, the story, which ultimately doesn't make any sense or is not interesting. What episode was that? Wasn't that like a couple a couple episodes ago? There was one where I was I was really negative on the uh, on the mystery of it oasis the yeah. odo rene aubergenois one with the right. ghost people right i'm surprised that wasn't on the worst of list uh, <laughs> i the, liked uh, it too much to not yeah, get into yeah. the, the worst yeah but you know but it, it's sort of it, it has all the same problems that the the even the good episodes for the rest of the season have which is like good idea can't quite fill it out so we have to throw in some stuff that's just like tv filler stuff to get us over the finish line and number one on our best episode list for Enterprise is uh, first season is Dear Doctor, which I think is an unsurprising choice for a lot of people who know about this stuff. Uh, I thought it was clearly the best episode, mm-hmm. like head and shoulders above its contenders. It's head and shoulders above Shockwave. Um, it felt very much like a Star Trek episode. I think you got good character work out of it. There was an actual conflicting moral question about what the right thing to do is. I think that the scene between Archer and Flocks where Archer is wearing his tight t-shirt and drinking a beer is probably the best scene that they ever did uh, in the first season. I still like his line, but you're a doctor. Um, that, that's pretty much it for me. I think it's just, it's clearly the best and most well thought out and consistent and um, all encompassing of all the episodes. I think it, it's good from start to finish. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's textbook of take two characters with conflicting ideologies or opinions, put them in a situation where those opinions are tested and see what happens. Mm-hmm. It's uh, and I think to Paul's involved in there as well, if I remember correctly. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's just, it's, it's, I feel like it's dramatic storytelling one one in that, in that sense where you've got a moral, moral conundrum. If you get two, your two main characters who are not at odds with each other, generally who mm-hmm. are now put at odds over this moral conundrum and it generates uh engaging an engaging story yeah yeah especially it, because you're taking two characters who you are going into this as i said before going into this you understand where they're coming from because Flox is a doctor so and you know what's going how he's acted with stuff previously so you understand where he's going to be and archer has it wants to continue the mission and blah 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 blah, all this other stuff and he's worried about prime directives and shit and so you understand where he's coming from whereas if this 
were a scene about the same thing between Reed and Trip, you wouldn't give a shit. Like right. it, wouldn't, it would have no weight to it. Right. Uh, you know, it would just end. It would probably end up with them yelling at each other, as though that was like drama and acting. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you've got, and then you put T'Pol in there as well, who you understand where to who who T'Pol is as a character, where she's coming from, as far as her ethos and point of view. So it, yeah, it, it's it were it's not surprising that this one is is the most successful. From five to one, our best episodes for Star Trek Enterprise's first season: Fight or Flight is number five. Four is Breaking the Ice. Three is Unexpected. Two is Shockwave, and one is Dear Doctor. So that's it. The best episodes. Thank you very much. All right, guys. So that's it. That's it for uh, our recap of Enterprises Season 1. We're done with this. Thank you very much for listening. If you enjoyed the content, you go to patreon.com slash file and support the show there. I don't have the Patreon list uh, up. I would shout out the Captain Chess supporters at this point, but you guys are going to get a break for, for this episode. Um, that's it. Thank you very much for listening. Much appreciated. Hope you guys enjoyed it. Sorry that the video for this one is a little bit weird, but we're uh, I'm traveling. It's, uh, we're on the road. This is. I do feel like this this video for multiple reasons feels like we we're both hung over or something <laughs> you're like you're, you're, you're doing the video from the kitchen of your the college, and i'm and i'm just like on the verge of bursting out in sweat <laughs> it's very very hot so we'll we'll let clay go and uh turn his ac back on and we will take a take a break here we'll be back with shockwave part two which is the first episode of the second season thank you very much for supporting the show clay do you have anything you want to say before we go uh, no, just check out Badass, the Batman the Animated Series podcast with uh, me and Sean Murphy and uh, Rotten Horror Picture Show. I, By the way, I was wrong again the last time I, I shouted out which episodes were coming out this week. It's completely wrong. Good. It's not. <laughs> this week, I know for sure now, <laughs> is uh, uh, Fire from Olympus and uh, Read My Lips, which is there we go. Zeus and uh, Scarface. All right, cool. So you guys, can, that's coming out this week. Yes, and you can check out everything at thepenskefile.com. Both of those shows are at thepenskefile.com or at the YouTube channel. So thank you very much for listening, guys. We will see you next time.